0: Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, July 14th, 2019. This is Episode 145. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Eric Brad. Many years ago, when I was introduced to the idea of reinforcement-based training, I read my first few books that introduced me to the concepts behind modern reward-based training. Gene Donaldson's great book, The Culture Clash, captured my attention mostly because of its focus on science. I spent more than 20 years in a technology-based field, computer networking. And so the detailed and technical approach that Donaldson took in her book really appealed to me. I learned a lot. From there, I went on to read other books like Patricia McConnell's The Other End of the Leash and Karen Pryor's Don't Shoot the Dog. While not as technical as The Culture Clash, these books offered me a great perspective on how to apply this new kind of training to my own dogs. I read other books and articles and discovered that the level of technical detail could vary widely from author to author. Some writers seemed to be trying to describe how to do reinforcement-based training, while others were explaining in great detail all of the behavioral science that made this new kind of training work. All of it reminded me of an interesting dynamic that I discovered while working in the computer networking industry the idea of functional specifications for a project versus the technical specifications, the high-level requirements of what the system needed to produce versus the detailed lists of servers and hardware and software necessary to configure to make those tasks a reality. Given all of the great information out there these days about our dogs, their physiology, their behavior, and how to train them, I thought it would be interesting To talk a little bit about the wide variety of literature that's out there and how it can vary from the very simple functional approach to training to a more detailed technical explanation of behavior and cognitive learning techniques. Not every dog owner or dog trainer will need the same depth of knowledge about behavior or dog training. I think that's why there is such a variety of detail in the literature available for dog owners and dog trainers. But in this age of social media, we are all consumers of information about our dogs, and I think it's important for us to understand the difference between a functional approach and a more technical approach to behavior and training. It was important for me to take that concept from my career in technology and bring it into my life with my dogs. So I thought I would share some of my thoughts on this in an essay that I call Functional Dog Trainers. Once upon a time, way back before there was an internet, I used to pull cables and connect personal computers into networks. It was the beginning of a long and interesting career as a technician and consultant in the wild world that would eventually become the computer networking industry. In a relatively short time, I went from pulling cables and installing software to diving deep into network data transmission protocols and troubleshooting complex systems. It was exciting and challenging work. One of the things I developed in that work was a talent for talking to business people about technology. These are the people that don't really care how stuff works, just so long as it works and doesn't break down when they need it the most. It was my job to know that it was important to put certain equipment and software into place to handle the data flows and the data security. I knew that the inner workings of those devices had to be configured properly to accomplish the tasks that were being required. But Ms. or Mr. CEO, well, they only knew that they were shelling out tens of thousands of dollars for someone to help their business, and it was our job just to make it work. Very early in this technical career, I learned the difference between functional specifications and technical specifications. Functional specifications were things that the business people could understand. They defined what tasks that a system needed to perform to serve the company's needs. Technical specifications, on the other hand, were to provide details on how the system would do what the functional specifications had laid out. Here's an example. A functional specification might say that the system needs to provide email messaging for 1,200 employees in three different office buildings. A technical specification for such a system would detail what specific hardware would need to be provided, which networking protocols would be used, and what software would be responsible for delivering the data. My clients would provide me the functional specifications. They defined what they wanted the system to do. The users of that system didn't need to know how the messages got from one place to another. They just had to send and receive messages. It was my job to know all of the technical details necessary to make all of that happen. What I learned is that details are important, but they aren't important to everyone. Knowing how something works doesn't necessarily help you use a system any better. So you're probably wondering what all of this has to do with dog training. Well, it's interesting to me that I'm running into this same dynamic in the world of training dogs. There are lots of technical details on how and why dogs behave the way they do and how they learn. But there's a larger question. Do all of those details produce better functional training practices? Research on dogs and dog-related issues seem to have increased exponentially in the past 15 to 20 years. That's a good thing, but the sheer volume of what we are learning can be overwhelming. For example, a few years ago, I read Dr. Gene Dodd's excellent book, The Canine Thyroid Epidemic. I learned a tremendous amount about the role of hormones like adrenaline, cortisol, and thyroid in that they affect not only the physiology of dogs, but can also have a profound effect on their emotional well-being. It was knowledge that helped me improve the quality of life for our oldest dog who has a thyroid problem by getting her on the proper medications. Technical knowledge helped me find out what was wrong with my dog and how to deal with it. By contrast, Recent research and articles using magnetic resonance imaging technology to identify the parts of a dog's brain involved in their emotional responses won't have any bearing on how I train or live with my dogs. Sure, it's interesting information, but it isn't something that I can use to make my dog's life better. The same is true of recent articles detailing research that shows that it is the anticipation of a reward that most strongly influences learning and not the reward itself. I can only provide a reward I can't control to any fine degree how much my dog anticipates that reward. Just like my work in the computer networking world, some information is too detailed to be of direct, functional use in working with my dogs. So, we are happily trying to cope with this new abundance of information about dogs, their mental capacities, their physiology, and their emotional makeup. The challenge is sorting through it all and finding what affects us functionally and what information is interesting but only provides the technical background that helps us understand. One of the problems I've found with the torrent of information about dogs that is coming at us on a day-to-day basis is that It often comes in small, specialized packages. We might find a research study that talks about social learning capabilities of dogs, or a research paper on marking behavior in male dogs of a certain breed. All of this information is potentially useful, but it isn't often that we get any context as to how or why the information should be integrated into our routines as trainers and dog owners. And this can create some thorny problems. Humans have struggled for years to understand dogs, and like we have in many other fields of study, we are continually refining our knowledge and learning more. But as a dog training friend rightly pointed out to me recently, it can be difficult to escape our own bias for one or another theory about our dogs. Each new study offers the possibility of supporting our views on a particular aspect of dogs or totally refuting it. This is where it gets tricky. It can be easy to sort through all of this new research and just pick out the stuff that already agrees with our own ideas. But where does this new information get us? How does it benefit our dogs? I think it comes down to the difference between theoretical versus applied sciences. It's one thing to work out to the microscopic neurotransmitter level what's going on with our dog's behavior but it's a very different thing to engage with our dogs and teach them to live with us. Technical specifications versus functional specifications. How a tool works versus which tool to use for a particular job. I try to keep up on as much as I can of the new science of dogs. It's not easy, but I'm trying to develop a system to make things easier to digest for myself, to make better use of the information that I'm finding. When I read any new research, my first step is to determine if it involves anything that I can actually do something about. For example, science knows pretty well that rewards for my dog generally result in a release of the hormone dopamine into the pleasure centers of the brain, and that chemical interaction is what actually reinforces behavior. As interesting as that information is, I have no means to control the exact amount of dopamine that affects my dog's brain during training. So I just have to work at a more macro level, at a functional level, by providing things she likes, such as food or a game. I let the functional processes produce the technical chemical dopamine releases for me. The next step for me is to see if I can put the new information in a larger context. Knowing that food or play can produce dopamine helps me use that new information better. There are books, articles, and other information sources by practitioners in the fields of dog behavior and training that can help me better understand some of the new science and help determine if it's useful for me. And then there are my dogs. I can look to them to see if the information that science is providing me is of any use by trying it out with them. I've been surprised over the years how much of what I've read regarding canine behavior just didn't make much difference to my training, while other parts of it were astonishingly effective. The community of dog owners and trainers is thriving both online and in our various local clubs. I think that these groups provide us with our best hope for making sense of all that science is trying to tell us. While not everyone is as well read on the latest information, each of us has a wealth of experience with real live dogs. The opportunity to share stories of our dogs' behavior and responses to us is incredibly valuable. If we could harness the power of our shared experience, think how much we could do to improve our lives with our dogs. But it won't be easy. Some of us will have to let go of long-held beliefs about dogs and training. Others will have to give up being the expert or the authority in order to encourage better conversations. Knowledgeable trainers will need to find ways to make the complex issues of behavior understandable for beginners and long-time dog owners alike. We will all have our roles to play, but we must begin by acknowledging that we are all in this together and we all want the same thing. A better, happier life for ourselves and our dogs. The functional versus the technical. The theoretical versus the practical. It's a tricky business. My career in the computer networking world taught me just how complex the differences can be. Some of us just want to teach our dogs to live with us happily, while others have a hunger to understand our dogs on a deeper, more technical level. I think there's room for both the dog owner who just wants to get it done and the technical trainer who knows how it all works together. I think we can benefit from each other's point of view. We just have to listen to each other and keep moving it forward for the dogs. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number two at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.